I can remember in seminary, having grown up in the church and thought I kind of got the gist of what the Christian story is about, made a commitment to like live with the grain of that, but then just being surprised by Jesus in a in a new way through just reading the gospels. I mean, go figure. And I mm-hmm. read the Bible sure. and the spirit's conviction, just to see the way that Jesus saw people. And that led to some fundamental changes in the way that I lived my life and directed my pursuits and passions and time and money. And that slowly working on me to just open my eyes to see the, the Christian story in a fuller way. Now that I saw it, I could not see it. Hey everyone, welcome on to The Walk Podcast. We want this to be a place where we can answer honest questions, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. I'm your host, Gil Shelsby, and today we're talking to a good friend of ours, Luke Erickson. Luke serves as the executive pastor for Mountain Christian Church. Luke brings a wealth of knowledge and wisdom to any conversation, but his commitment to his role and his impact on our community here make him a truly exciting guest to have on. Luke is married to his wife, Holly, and together they are parents to five wonderful children. We are excited to have him on as our guest today as we talk about a really tough question. How do I know if I'm a good person? It's a question that almost all of us have thought about at some point, and it's not always the easiest question to answer. Luke is here to guide us as we talk about morality, goodness, the story of scripture, and how to live a good life. I love getting to sit down with Luke as we tackle these topics, and I hope you find it helpful. Let's jump into our conversation with Luke. Hey friends, welcome back. It's good to be together. Glad you are joining us today. I'm here with Luke Erickson. Luke, it's good to see you. Good to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Gil. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, listen, today we're going to have, I think, a fun conversation. It's kind of this question of how do I know if I'm a good person? Mm-hmm. Which is probably something I would say most of us have maybe asked to some mm-hmm. degree. I think there's a lot of people asking this question. How do I know if I'm good? Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're asking me to be your counselor or something. Well, yeah, today. Like, really, we, it's we kind really, of why I, that's yeah. why I brought you on today. We need to talk about this. You're wondering yeah. why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think it is maybe such a hard question to answer today? Well, I, it's intimidating to me to think about getting into it, talking about it. I, it seems very practical. I think a lot of people are asking it and want to know. There's just some practical things that we're we're wondering about. It's also deeply philosophical and. I'm not a philosopher myself. I do like listening to people talk, like people who are smarter than me talk about this thing. And like, how do you know what is good? But I think that's an important question. And my mind goes there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how useful it is for me to try to lead us to dwell there mm-hmm. today. Well, it seems like for thousands of years, people have tried to tackle that question. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. lots of work that's gone before so, us, I guess. So the chances of us dealing with it sufficiently in a, you know, an hour, low. Yeah. yeah, we'll do the best we can. I think a, one place to just start with our frame of reference, mm-hmm. I think we share this. We're coming from the perspective of, I'll say, inhabiting the Christian story, meaning I believe it and I try to live it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand the Christian story as best I can and then incorporate that into my life and live it out. 
in the, the best way that I can. I've been in dialogue with others, you know, who I know disagree with that or don't accept that, don't believe the same things. But as everything, as I've taken everything into account that I've observed, all the conversations I've had, I believe the Christian story makes the best sense of reality. So mm -hmm. I'm coming from that place and hoping to represent that, to bring that to bear on this question. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I can't represent someone else, but I'll do the best that I can to at least try to represent what does the Christian story have to say mm -hmm. about what is good. I mm -hmm. think that might be something useful. So I, you know, ask that question, how do you know what's good? There's three things that flood to my mind right away all at the same time. Maybe it would be helpful to just start there. Sure. One is I think you can make the claim that all of us are trying to live out the answer to that question in some way. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we're doing. And it takes a lot of different forms. Like you said, we're kind of haunted by it. How do I know that the pursuits that I'm making are the good ones? Are they leading to the right place? Are they, are they going to be fruitful, productive, meaningful? Are they going to bring joy and happiness? Are, those are all pursuits of what's good. How do we identify that? I mean, to get a little, you know, cheeky, the, the things that we post on social media are kind of our way to demonstrate to the rest of the world that what we're doing is good. Sure. I'm not trying to cast shade on all of that activity, but you know, there, there's something going on there a lot of times where we're looking at how good someone else's life is. And then the stuff that we put out there for everyone to see, mm -hmm. we want to make some kind of de demonstration that it's good too. Is right, it yeah. good enough? Like we're in some way all, maybe it's just that almost childlike desire that a child is always seeking approval from their parents. Like, mm -hmm. is what I'm doing good enough? Is it pleasing in your eyes? Mm -hmm. And there's some of that probably operative in the ways that we behave on social yeah. media. Not to mention, we, we all have that desire just, yeah, for goodness yeah. in general, right? That's sure. kind of, that's in all of us. Yeah, it is. So reading into that a little bit, that that's going on mm -hmm. for all of us. The other thing that comes to my mind is with goodness, there's a you know it when you see it kind of reality mm -hmm. to it. That's it's intuitive, I think, for all of us. And that's interesting in itself to ponder. Like, why is that? Why is that the case that we we're yeah. all working for something? We all want what's good. And we can we look at things and we may disagree on all the particulars, but there's a, something intuitive about, hey, that's good. No, and when yeah. the opposite happens. It's like there, there's something not right about this. There's an mm -hmm. oughtness that we all bring with us. Like that ought not to have happened because that's not good. That's mm. somehow baked into all of us. And that's a really interesting thing. It reminds me of the whole conversation about the problem of evil, the problem of bad in the world. Sure. But there's also the, you could say, the problem of good. And I don't mean mm. it's a problem. I'm just saying it's something you got to reckon with. Like, well, why is there good? Why? Mm. Why? Should I expect there to be good? Why do I have this desire to see things be ordered mm. and beautiful and to try to put them in a, together in a satisfactory way? Like if everything is random, why should I expect anything to work out good? I mean, that's a whole separate podcast discussion, yeah. but it just reminds me of that, that there's something there that we want what's good. Mm. And then the third thing that comes to my mind is just the different, you could say, realms in which this concept of good applies. There's the moral good. Obviously, we're distinguishing what's right and wrong. There's good as in pleasing, like it tastes good. Mm -hmm. uh, good not, movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, nothing that I make tastes good, but I know things that taste good. There's good like, oh, she is a really good violinist, mm. or he's a really good basketball player, something like that. I think there's good as in sound, 
like solid, a good foundation mm. is established there. So they're, they're probably a bleed over in some of those concepts. There's nothing super scientific about my, you know, going through those there. But I think there, there's something going on where there's different realms of goodness. And again, those are things that we essentially just intuit. We know it when we see it. And it's very intriguing to me that we have that mm -hmm. intuition about making a distinction between what's good and what's not good. And I just think when you start going down that path, it makes you start to wonder, well, what kind of story am I a part of? What kind of world am I living in? Mm -hmm. And because I have these longings for goodness. I have something that triggers in my brain about labeling this is good and this is not good. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it pokes us to be wondering, well, what, what is the case then with this world and what's going on there? Mm -hmm. So those are the things that come to my, my mind initially. So you mentioned off the get-go that you, you and I are kind of a part of what you would call the, the lens through which we see the world is maybe a part of what we call the Christian story. Mm -hmm. Talk for a second, maybe, maybe about what's, what's different about the Christian story. What's you know, maybe unpack that a little bit for folks who may, might not understand. Yeah, I think, so I'm going to the Bible to get a sense of what the Christian story mm -hmm. is all about. And I, I guess you go back to where it started, you find the concept of goodness right there at the heart of the beginnings of it. And I think when we're striving for what's good and we have these intuitions about what's good, in summary, I would say the Christian story both affirms those intuitions and that striving, and it issues a caution, or maybe you'd say a redirection. So that's kind of my, my summary statement. If I could go back to that first page, it's, it's right there. God creates and it's good. The, mm -hmm. the word good continues to appear. Everything that is brought into existence is called good. And you could say, well, what's good about it? Maybe not an exhaustive, exhaustive list, but just thinking about, well, there's order. It, that's, that's one of the defining marks of creation is to bring order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. Nothing good happens in chaos. We need order. The God who made the world brought order. Mm -hmm. There's harmony. There's peace in every direction. Humans at peace with themselves, with one another, with God, with all of creation, a harmony exists. There's intimacy. There's a closeness with God and a closeness with each other. You get that label naked and not ashamed. I mean, mm -hmm. you, can you even imagine that? Mm -hmm. Being vulnerable, but not exposed, not exploited, not taken advantage of a deep intimacy that exists in the original design of creation. There's abundance. God shows himself to be a, a God who is generous, who provides. Eat from any tree. It will produce fruit. Like it just, it just comes. Except for one, there is, there is some directive there. There's a boundary there, but all of creation is just bursting with life. And then when it comes to humans who are created as the pinnacle of all creation, there's identity and vocation. There is a sense of who are we and what are we to do? I mean, it's like we would all say it's good. When you have a sense about the answer to those questions, that is a good thing. It provides direction mm -hmm. for life and value for life. And so they're the image of God. They're created to represent God and they have work to do. That's a good thing. I know mm -hmm. so many of us are in work and we're like, oh man, if there's one thing that's not good about life, it's this work that I've got to do. <laughs> I think we know that we need meaningful work to do. Mm -hmm. And that's portrayed as a gift in the original design. We steward creation, we govern it wisely, you know, to rule. I know that concept kind of can have negative connotations, mm -hmm. but initially that was a good calling that humans have to govern 
wisely the world that God created and to multiply and cultivate more goodness on the earth. And you just think about it. The mind conceives something and the muscles flex Mm -hmm. and the, you know, tools are put to work in the world and it creates and it brings forth life and it produces like, isn't that good Mm -hmm. when it happens like that, just like it was supposed to be designed. And that's what you see on the first page of the Bible. Mm. I think any of us immediately recognize we are not in that kind of a reality right now. That's why we're having this conversation because we feel like we're at some kind of distance Mm -hmm. from what's good. We don't, there's a frustration because we, we, you know, the mind conceives and the muscles flex and what gets produced isn't always what the mind conceived or what we would hope for it. Like it doesn't always work out Mm. in the fruitful ways that we hope. So we get, we get that. And well, the Bible gives an accounting of that. Again, seek the Christian story, follow how it's moving and the the drama continues. So not to say, you know, go too long about this, but just to summarize it, humans reach beyond the boundaries that God has set. And what's Mm -hmm. fundamentally going on there, I think the best way to understand that is humans seeking to define what's good apart from God. Mm -hmm. We see something that we make a determination that that's good and we want to go after it. Never mind what the design of the creator is, Mm -hmm. we're seeing that that's good. And so we go after it. And that's portrayed in a very poetic way. You got the snake there. I don't know why the snake is talking. There's so much we don't know about the <laughs> snake and where it came from and all of that. But I'm just saying the snake is very sneaky in his suggestion. Hey, God's holding out on you. There is something that is is beyond your reach that would be good if you had it. But God, who created everything good, is not giving it to you. Mm-hmm. The snake is almost appealing to this sense of oughtness in mm-hmm. the humans. Like, you ought to have that. Mm-hmm. That isn't right for you to be cut off mm-hmm. from that thing. Because look at it. You can see it. It's good. You, you can observe that with your own eyes. And the Bible talks a lot about the danger and the tendency to view things that are good in our own eyes. Mm-hmm. So... We believe that. The the first humans believe that. Nope, that ain't right. That ought not be. I see it. It's good. I can tell with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. I reach for it. I take it. I eat it. That's what the woman does. That's what the man does. And that's what's going on in Genesis 3. And that's the pattern that's introduced into God's good world. The created beings making this new claim about what's good, irrespective of the pronouncement of the creator, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, about what's good. So, as a result, you just go back, everything's corrupted. And you just go back to all those things that were so good, they're all mm-hmm. compromised now. Chaos is reintroduced into the world. There's been this rebellion. Instead of harmony in every direction, there's strife in every direction. Mm-hmm. Strife within myself, with my relationship with other people, with God, with all of creation. Intimacy is disrupted. Now there's a distance mm-hmm. between God and humans and you know between each other. No longer are we just comfortable and in, in being exposed. We're hiding from each other. We're ashamed. We're living in fear. You think about abundance. Well, the world does still produce, but it's going to happen by the sweat of your brow. You're going to work hard mm-hmm. for that to get the, the earth to cultivate what it was designed to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And even this little line about God providing animal skins for them to wear to sustain their lives in this new reality, their lives are sustained by the taking of mm-hmm. the animal's life. And that, yeah. I mean, that's a seem to be a distortion of the picture that we're presented with first. Mm-hmm. And then identity and vocation, there it, we are still the image of God. That that's retains. Scott McKnight calls us cracked icons. That might mm-hmm. be a way an icon is like an image or sure. a statue kind of a we represent God still, but something is different. It's not quite the way that it was supposed to be. And again, that work is going to be hard work. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to work the ground. It's going to be hard to be fruitful and multiply. You're going to have pain and childbearing. 
you've got the the man now ruling over the woman mm -hmm. after that instead of man and woman you know mutually ruling together mm -hmm. with one another alongside one another so all of this is a is a turn away from goodness is what you're saying almost a, yeah. a turning away from our good maybe created orientation or order yeah it's a turning towards something that we believed was good mm -hmm. right we th there it was it was right there for the taking that's good Again, never mind everything mm -hmm. that God has designed and placed around that God said was good. I'm presented with an opportunity to look at something and call it good myself. Mm -hmm. And well, that's the ability that we all have now. As humans, we have the capacity to do that. And that results in a loss. Mm -hmm. That's what you see unfold on the pages of the Bible in Genesis 3 and going forward. That mm -hmm. loss is, is devastating. And that the good that we once experienced has been corrupted. And to just say it really simply, every day we live with the pain of that. There, the witness that the Bible gives and the witness of my own life, I think, is just that everybody has essentially gone the way of Adam and Eve to make a declaration about, I'm going to decide what's good, never mind what the, the mind of the creator said was good. So hmm. it does make some sense of that oughtness that we feel like this striving for something as if good is out there it's something we can have and that we should have mm -hmm. yet it feels difficult to get it and we have questions about it and we get all kind of winding in our pursuits mm -hmm. go off the path and trying to find it but it's there and unfortunately it feels out of reach and i guess what i see in the christian story is an attempt to make some sense of that Mm -hmm. why we're in the situation that we're in, why we're having this conversation today about how do we sure. even find what's good. So the story continues. The story does continue after that, and it, it would be a real bummer if it didn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so to car carry it forward, we're left with that question, how do I find what's good? How do I be good? Mm -hmm. I'll say the summary statement there would be the Christian claim is that that is only found when you're in sync with the creator. It's God who is good. And God created what's good. God determines what's good. And so you, you reconnect with the creator God and suddenly goodness is available hmm. to you in a way that wasn't available otherwise. Hmm. So that plays out in different ways. And the, the story is told throughout, you know, I guess I know the Bible is a big book and, but just to kind of hit some of the highlights, like in Deuteronomy, the instruction to the people that are supposed to represent God to the world is Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Mm. And love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's that's good. Mm. The, the wisdom writers would say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. Hey, you're an image of God. You're supposed to govern this world wisely. You want to fulfill that calling and vocation? Well, then fear the Lord. Subvert your assessment of what's good and wise to what God says is good and wise. Make that effort, which is something that not all of us are willing to do. And... There's, you know, on the other side, there's this, this is where the caution comes in. So the, the affirmation is, yes, pursue what's good, embody it, live it out, work for it. But there is also a caution against trusting yourself in determining what's good. Like Jeremiah mm -hmm. would say, the heart is deceitful above all things. And that it's, it is interesting in that regard. I think that's where we sort of put the, the locus of the definition of what's good. It sure. is sort of sits, well, whatever I sort of feel mm -hmm. is right. And I think we're seeing the consequences of when everybody just sort of does whatever they think is right in their own eyes because they feel it in their heart or whatever. I'm not sure that leads to the world 
is as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And the Bible has ways of making that claim and, and talking about that. And we see it unfold time and time again. If you're reading the, the stories that unfolds in the Old Testament, when humans make a purely human effort to strive toward what they believe is good, it turns out not good. It leads mm-hmm. to destruction. Whether you're talking about the Tower of Babel or you're watching Abraham's story, who does pursue God in some incredible ways, but also then takes matters into mm-hmm. his own hands and distrusts God and does it in his own way. And Jacob does the same thing. And David does the same thing. When he chooses Bathsheba, it's the same language as, ba- as Eve choosing mm-hmm. the fruit. I see it. I desire yeah. it. I reach for it. I take it. And that's what's good in my own eyes. And Solomon, we think it's all going to go great. We got this new kingship going to be led well, but there, there, there is this downfall when we determine what's good in our own eyes. And so it all leads to summarizing a lot, this longing for what is truly good. And that, of course, sets the table for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, winding all the way through, it is ultimately about Jesus. And that's why I say the, the Christian story, it's, sure. it's named after our Christ, our mm-hmm. Messiah, who is Jesus. So we have the, this sense that we need to be restored. We need to be re-imaged. And that's when the Bible introduces Jesus to us as the truly human one. Mm-hmm. There is, he is truly God, but he is also truly human. If we were wanting to see what an image of God looks like, the Bible is throwing our eyes toward Jesus. So you can choose that to live into that image, or you can be left to find another way, another image of what you think is good, and you can go a different way and try to manufacture that. And the, the claim that the Bible is making is that the you know, restoration of, of what is good, as God defines it, happens in Jesus and through the regeneration of God's spirit. And so I know I'm talking, you know, I'm using Jesus and spirit language, and I'm just trying to use the ways, use the words that the Bible talks about. When I think about spirit, the the creation that happened at the beginning, what Mm. that is coming into being by means of God's spirit, hovering over the waters Mm. of chaos, bringing that order out of chaos. And there's something about that, that, that truly can happen in an individual's life. And I would say has been true of my life, that when I allow the Spirit's presence to remake me and reorder what is out of order, then I experience a goodness that just wasn't available to yeah. me when I quenched that, when I tried to put a stop wow. to that. That's, that's interesting because I think there's, that's a really probably counterintuitive for a lot of us. What strikes me is like anything that is coming from outside of myself mm. Telling me what to do or sure. guiding me somewhere it seems to me like an imposition on maybe my personal freedom or autonomy. Like yeah. how, like I, first glance, I don't think of goodness that way. Yeah, like that's how I get to goodness is. Mm-hmm. And I think those are powerful narratives. Those sure. are powerful suggestions that you need to look inside yourself and uh-huh. you know be true to yourself. And you know the power is within you. And I get the the difficulty of that. And I want to be truly free. And here's the Bible coming and saying to be truly free, you have to become a servant of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the more that you give up your freedom and entrust it to Jesus that paradoxically leads to greater freedom. Sure, yeah. And so the more, you know, you want to direct your life in a way that is good, like mm-hmm. the more that you kind of get your hands tightly gripped around that and trying to control and engineer everything around you and all your relationships to work out for your goodness, mm-hmm. like the, the counterintuitive move is to say, no, no, submit those desires to the Lord mm-hmm. and release your grip on those things 
And then what is truly good can be realized mm -hmm. through the power of the Spirit at work in your life. So I understand the paradoxical nature of it, mm -hmm. the counterintuitive nature of it, but I'm just trying to represent the Christian claim. And as a person who has you know, tried to do that and actually experience that, okay, it does, you know, it, it works in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of put some of the final pieces together of the way the Bible tells that story, the Spirit of God there at creation, the, the hope is that we're looking forward to a new creation. That's mm -hmm. fundamental to the Christian story. So to live in this world right now is a longing, you could say a longing for Eden. That's the, the goodness. Everything we described on page one and two of the Bible is this goodness of Eden. Like we're reaching back for that. We wish we could go back and get it, yeah. but we can't. And so the way the Bible story unfolds is to then show us a picture of something that is to come, that is forward. And so though that reach back can actually become a reach forward into something that is going to resemble mm -hmm. that Eden-like experience that we have. Those are the images that the Bible uses. And that ultimately gets fulfilled mm -hmm. in Jesus. Jesus shows up and has the audacity to present himself as that good God in the flesh, mm -hmm. to present himself as that tree of life that nourishes eternally that was there in the garden. Jesus has the audacity to present himself as a fountain of living water mm -hmm. that satisfies the soul in a good way that nothing else can. I mean, those are bold claims, mm -hmm. but that's what Jesus is introducing himself. And so he's giving glimpses of this new world that God is bringing about. And continued to tell the story, the spirit that was there at creation, bringing life out of chaos and disorder is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead mm. to bring life out of death as a sign of the new creation. So we're, we're looking forward to that new creation and we see Jesus being recreated, regenerated by the spirit. And then we're told, not only is that new creation coming about through the power of the spirit, but you right now can live in it when you allow the Spirit to make you new. There, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is that? That's new creation. So I realize these are big concepts, but I'm, that, that's what the story is that the Bible is holding out to us. Mm -hmm. Even right now, you can be regenerated by God's Spirit and experience what is truly good mm -hmm. for a time right now in an era where bad still exists mm -hmm. and evil is still causing havoc within us and outside us. Mm. And yet the promise of life of that age to come can be realized now through the spirit and the spirit bears with us as we suffer the consequences of living in a world that is still groaning in mm. pain, but it's, it's working toward that birth into something new. And so that, that goodness that we lost is available to us now mm. in Jesus through the spirit and that, when you experience it, is a foretaste of the truly good that is to come, where we, yes, we strive and we reach in Christ that reality where no more crying, no more pain, no more sadness, no more death. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of mm -hmm. the nation. It's producing fruit in season and out of season. And the streams of living water mm -hmm. are flowing and God's presence is with us. And our city doesn't need walls anymore because life is so good mm -hmm. and secure and sustained by the presence of God. This is just me trying to tap into the images that the Bible holds out when it's making its claims about what is good and how do you access that good? Yeah, well, it's a beautiful story. And I think it's good because a lot of us, when we think of good or bad, we think of, like you said, like good or bad 
people or even in the Christian context, like maybe our view of how Christians tell the story you just told, which is maybe like there's a good place that's up there and we're trying to get there and then there's a bad place and what you do will determine where you go, that sort of thing. And Mm so I think casting that large story that like this is actually headed in a good direction. We come from goodness and we're headed toward goodness. I think it's it's beautiful. And I realize that's a faith claim. That's Mm -hmm. right at the heart of it. You got to be someone that signs on to that. And you could hear that portrayal of the good that Jesus promises to bring about and say, no, that's too good to be true or I can't swallow that, or, you know, there's too much suffering in the world for me to believe that, you know, any of this could be undone by some, you know, mystical God or whatever your conclusion might be. I realize it's a, it's a faith statement to that degree. It doesn't mean all my questions are answered. It doesn't mean I never experienced the angst of living in something that isn't good, sure. but all of that. In some is, sense, you might even feel that even more, just being, knowing the story mm-hmm. you're a part of and knowing where creation is headed, I would imagine you're someone who maybe Mm -hmm. feels more of the angst of we're not there yet. Very much so. I think that same angst, yes, does live within each of us who choose Mm -hmm. Jesus and anticipate the Mm -hmm. age to come, but not in an escapist kind of a way like, Mm -hmm. well, we're all just waiting for, you know, the next world to come and this Mm -hmm. world doesn't matter. No, 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 no. To highlight another very important biblical claim is the the claim that that world, the age to come, is overlapping right now with this world. I know these are big, mysterious concepts, so I'm just saying that that's the claim being yeah. made. Somehow that world is showing up in this world in the midst of its, if it's broken down nature. So yes, we, we long for it and we wait and we ache for it. And at the same time, we experience God's goodness, God's heavenly mm-hmm. goodness in it. That's what it means to be people who pray, your will be done, your kingdom come mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. God, bring your heavenly goodness right now, manifest it right now in the world, in this place of my broken relationships mm-hmm. and you know, the, the internal angst that I feel, the, the doubt that I have, the fears that I have, my, my sorrow and grief over what I've lost, all that. Bring your heavenly goodness right now and somehow remake and mm-hmm. restore. Bring goodness out of that evil. Mm-hmm. We're not discounting evil. We're not ignoring evil. We're not just you know, hiding our face from evil until we get all caught up to some good place someday. No, we're staring it in the face and we're, we're reckoning with it, but we're doing it through the power of the Spirit who remakes mm-hmm. us and remakes everything in the moment. And so there is that, that angstiness, but it doesn't come without promise and without a response from a good God who's giving us the resources mm-hmm. to endure it and to even thrive in the midst of it. But again, that's what the stuff of faith is about, mm-hmm. that a person has to be willing to take God at sure. that word and try for goodness in that way. Well, and I think that's interesting too that you mentioned that because I think there's a lot of people would say, well, why do I need to tack on the Jesus stuff? Like I can, I can maybe figure out goodness. Why do I have to be religious or believe in God to actually pursue goodness? Yep. I think that's a good question. It's one that I've asked a lot. And the, the first thing is probably important to say is I know plenty of people who they would pass the eye test, right? Anybody would look, oh, they're good. He's a good guy. She's a good gal. Mm -hmm. And we have a general idea about what we mean by that. They probably have a a pretty good sense of morality and they're kind and they seem to be productive and they think of others Mm -hmm. and they're just modeling something that in a lot of ways you would want to aspire to. So I'm not saying that that's not possible. It's interesting, couple 
resources that I've read. There is a book by Greg Epstein, who, as I understand it, is the lead chaplain at Harvard. He happens to be an atheist. He's like the humanist chaplain. Sure. And he wrote a book called Good Without God. Mm. And he's, he's essentially making that claim. And I don't disagree with the idea that people can be good, upright, citizens without a religious belief. But it is interesting how we were talking earlier about how a lot of those efforts, they're being a parasite on the the moral convictions and grounding that were established by the Christian movement. Mm -hmm. And, and what the Christians, in light of Jesus, said was good. That would be a whole other conversation if you tried to document all of the ways mm -hmm. that the, the Christian story has created the foundations for our civilization sure. and giving us our bearings on what is good. And mm -hmm. yes, it is true that now we're starting to deviate from that and we're reflecting on that and saying, oh, well, that's good and that's good and that's good, but not so much that and that and that. We have a better idea about what's good. So I'm not persuaded that that's ultimately the best way to aim my life, I guess, to, to try to do it without God. I mm -hmm. am convinced by the witness of the Bible that says when you try to do that, it might look good for a moment, but it's not made of the stuff of the age to come. I believe I'm living into the vision that the Christian story presents, that the destiny of the world is the destiny that the creator of the world designed for it. Okay, so because of those claims, I'm not convinced that the the ultimate destiny of the world is going to come about by human engineering. We're not going to get there. We're not going to achieve what's truly good mm -hmm. without the regenerating power of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The spirit that was there bringing the world into existence is the same spirit that is recreating me as the same spirit that is bringing about new creation. Those mm -hmm. are the things that I understand and am compelled by. And so to me, why would I then try to, on my own strength, or try to rally a movement where mm -hmm. on our own strength, we try to achieve the good aims that we, we probably see in the Christian story and we like them? Why mm -hmm. would we try to make an effort to achieve those without the regenerating presence of the Spirit? Mm -hmm. Like It just doesn't, it doesn't compute. And there may be some things about the Christian story and the Christian claims that I don't like. And that's certainly what people have probably seen and reacted to. Sure whether it's the claims themselves or whether it's just the Christians and their bad behavior where they're not taking it seriously and they're, they're put off by that. And mm -hmm. so it leads them to say, oh, we got a better idea. We can do this good stuff on our own. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just not convinced that it will work. And so could a person be moral and kind? I know plenty of kind people who are, are not Christians. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they're not. But the, the logic to me of the Christian story is to put yourselves in line with the Spirit of God. And the, the truth that I'm holding on to is everything will be exposed. If mm -hmm. it's a good foundation, if it's something that is fit for the world to come, mm -hmm. which again is, I believe, the destiny of the world, mm -hmm. th then it will be exposed for what it is. If, it's, if it is being animated by the Spirit of God, if it is being grounded in the love of God and the love of Christ, then it will last mm. into the new world. Mm. It's, it's fit for that world. But when that world comes and when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom in, in a way that is full and thorough and ultimate, then anything that is not that won't last. It comes mm. to its end. So all of our human progress and our technology and the things that we're calling good, I believe that they have an expiration date, mm. that they have limits. And I'm trying to live out a different story that I believe goes beyond the limits of this present age that we find ourselves in right now. I think that's the way the Christian story conditions me to think. Mm -hmm. And so can Christians or can non-Christians do lots of good? And if I go see a doctor and they advise me 
and they do surgery on me and they make part of my body good that wasn't good before and they're not a Christian. Of course, I think that can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just trying to put myself in line with what I believe is the, the ultimate place where this world is going. And you can call that pie in the sky, you can call that a pipe dream, and I believe in some mm -hmm. fanciful thing. But again, I, I've not found anything else that makes better sense of reality, and that's why I've aligned myself that way. In some ways, it's kind of comforting. That's a little bit of the key to how do I know that this is good? Mm. What you said I found really interesting was, does it fit with mm. where the story is going? Yeah. Like, the world has a destiny. And in some sense, like, we as human beings have a, a destiny, a place yeah. that we fit, a, a purpose. Mm. Like, as a human being, I've got an end toward which, like, I'm created. Say more about the human aspect mm -hmm. of that for a second. What does it mean to be a human within that story. There's a lot I don't know about, you know, that destiny. I've tried to capture some of the ways the Bible describes it. To be a human in the new creation is to do a lot of what we were designed for in, in the first pages of the mm -hmm. Bible. First pages of the Bible, we're created to rule on God's behalf. Last page of the Bible, those who are remade in Christ's image are reigning with Christ. There's that ruling aspect again. So we're, we're doing in the new creation the thing that we were designed for in this creation. We're simply doing it in the full presence and power of Jesus without the barriers and the threat of evil and sin mm. in the way that we are now. So there is, I think, work to do to, mm -hmm. to create. Think of all the joy that we find in creating and cultivating and seeing something be fruitful. I mean, yeah. that, that is so good. Mm -hmm. And the, the witness of the Bible is that when we are in the new creation that God is bringing about, all the things that thwart that will not be present. The body won't ache. <laughs> it won't tire. You're, you're get, getting some images from Isaiah. They'll run and not grow weary. Can mm -hmm. you even imagine mm -hmm. what that's like? Or in Isaiah 65, when it's, it's just getting very practical, like you'll build houses and you'll live in them. You won't have to live in fear that someone else will come and, and, and take it over. Yeah. Now, in modern America, I don't actually live with that fear, but plenty of people in the world live mm -hmm. with that fear still today. And certainly the, where that, that word originated from, I think that was the case for a lot of people as they were fearing that the enemy army would come in and take over. It's just a very practical way of erasing mm -hmm. what a fear is and replacing it with a, a good image. You'll mm -hmm. plant a vineyard and you'll get to enjoy its fruit. And people will live as long as trees. You know, I'm not taking that literally. Like, well, how old are trees and how long? I'm just saying <laughs> it's meant to cast a vision for a life that is sustained yeah. and continues in a way that is ongoingly good. Mm -hmm. So we have work to do. We will enjoy the presence of one another. I think, you know, unashamed, fear, any threat against our personhood or our character, the things that disrupt us on the interior, the things that disrupt us from the outside, those won't be present. Those, they won't be uprooting the good things that God is doing in and through us. Mm -hmm. And we'll enjoy the presence of God, our creator, living in fellowship and harmony. So those things that were present in the first creation are promised to us in the new creation. Mm -hmm. And so we live now as signs of that through the power of the Spirit. So you move your body, you move your mind, you activate yourself in a way right now that's consistent with the end of the mm -hmm. story. And so things like love and justice and compassion are things that are going to live on mm -hmm. into the new creation. So you don't have to wait to do those things right now, mm -hmm. cultivating the earth, caring for what God has made. You don't just wait to do, you do it now because yeah. you're being recreated in the spirit right now. And he Wright also just, he, he presented this picture of humans as angled mirrors. So mm -hmm. an angled mirror that is designed to reflect 
God's goodness and love to the rest of creation. You know, coming down vertically, being reflected out horizontally, yeah. and then to reflect the praises of the earth back to God, because God is the author of it all. And so just, I thought that's a compelling image, like to live my life as an angled mirror. Mm -hmm. And at any time, I guess I can choose to angle myself away. Sure. Like I don't want God's reflection to really be kind of strong in my life. So I can kind of, you know, turn away from that. And then the things that I'll reflect out to the world will be of a very different character. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, this is as good a time as any to say, we got to be honest about the history of the church as it's unfolded. I keep talking about the Christian story. Mm. It's not like it's played out all roses. Yeah. It's not like we've always been really good angled mirrors reflecting out to the creation, the goodness and love of God. We simply haven't. Mm -hmm. And I think people recognize that on a broad scale, like you just, whatever, the Crusades and Inquisition and you know everything yeah. like that. Sure. And they felt it very intimately and personally about whatever abuses maybe come their way as a result mm -hmm. of people who are so-called Christians. Okay. So I, I'm very sensitive to that. And I, I wouldn't be trying to have this kind of philosophical conversation sure. with somebody if they were dealing with those. I want to meet them very pastorally, you know, not, course, not yeah. turn a blind eye to that. At, at the same time, the Christian story critiques that. That's not at all consistent with the way that God designed us. That's not good. The mm -hmm. Christian story itself points to that and says, Calls that's it not, not good. good yeah. Yes. Even though many who have claimed to be Christians all along have called that good. They've decided right. what's good in their own eyes. And then they're committing mm -hmm. the error that we all do sometimes, unfortunately, to just the extent that has been devastating in mm -hmm. lots of ways. So what we need, though, is to be more Christian. We need to drink up more of the Christian story. We need to drink more of God's spirit, mm. not discard it altogether. So I, I ultimately don't go the way of someone who sees all of that, whether the broad sweep of history or their own personal experience, and then says, well, I'm going to discard that mm -hmm. and go a different way altogether. I guess I'm going to be left to find out what's good on my own. There's mm -hmm. nothing that so-called God or so-called Jesus can offer me I, I am sad for the experience that, experiences that people have had that have led to that mm -hmm. and that have not been a good reflection of the good God that I claim to know and to worship. So it is to say, I think that angled mirror thing is a good concept and it shows what it's like when it's working well. Mm -hmm. And then sadly, when you don't want to be that as a human, Mm -hmm. you can choose something else. And again, the consequences are pretty disastrous. Mm -hmm. Thanks for walking us through that, Luke. I think that's really beautiful and a good reminder, I think, even for many of us who, like you, claim the Christian story mm -hmm. and the way, yeah, the ways we're meant to be, even be oriented in that direction. I want to loop back to when you mentioned the power of the Spirit, and mm -hmm. you were talking about the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. transforming us into something good or mm -hmm. more good. Say more about that. What's an example maybe of something in your life or something you've seen in the world of the, the power of the spirit mm. at work in the world, transforming someone to be good? The things that come to my mind for me that I'm just so grateful for, I, I've observed the undoing of a certain legalism, a self-righteousness that I carried with me, I think mm -hmm. for a long time that I can only, I, I only get out 
from under that when I am allowing the spirit to be at work mm-hmm. in me. And I think on the whole, I can say I've moved, you know, I've made some progress yeah. in that regard by God's grace. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect or never self-righteous ever again. Mm-hmm. Or, but I, if I take the whole of my life in the way it's characterized now and my, the tenderness of my heart, which I just feel was not there mm-hmm. before, the, the compassion that I feel, which I, I mean, that's one of the greatest miracles, I think, in my own life, that God has somehow worked a compassion in me and a commitment to care for people that even though much of my life was characterized as Christian, it's just I was missing out on that part mm-hmm. of the story and was more shut off to the, the Spirit's work in that regard. I'm, I'm personally grateful for that and try to be let more and more of that happen in my life. Mm. And then similarly, I can remember in seminary, having grown up in the church and thought I kind of got the gist of what the Christian story is about, made a commitment to like live with the grain of that, but then just being surprised by Jesus in a in a new way through just reading the gospels. I mean, go figure, and mm-hmm. I read the Bible. Sure. And the Spirit's conviction, just to see the way that Jesus saw people. I guess it's related to the thing I just said, but but particularly seeing invisible people, mm-hmm. p- marginalized people, Jesus taking account. Here's the, the Lord of the universe descending to become human with dirt under his fingernails and live and walk among us and mm-hmm. actually reroute his path, reroute his life to be with and to touch those who the world has just cast off. And that led to some fundamental changes in the way that I lived my life and directed my, you know, pursuits and passions and time and money Mm -hmm. started to uh, actually led very specifically to me volunteering at a homeless shelter in the city where I was living at the time. And it it only came, the root of that was my encounter with Jesus Mm -hmm. through the spirit in God's word. And that slowly working on me to just open my eyes to see the the Christian story in a fuller way. Mm. It's, you know, it's like it was there all the time. I just wasn't paying attention to it, but it was reshaped and to move in a way that I just wasn't moving. I, I had no interest in picking up on that part of the story mm-hmm. before. And now it's like, now that I saw it, I couldn't not see it. I could not reckon with it. And I had to as the Bible would say, get in step with the spirit. Mm. And that led me to literally walk in a new path and spend some Mm -hmm. time in a place and among some people that I never would have done that before. Mm. I was doing, I was calling something else good. Mm -hmm. And the more I tango with Jesus, he's like, no, it's good to Mm -hmm. see people and to be with people, even those that maybe the world has forgotten about. I'm there in that place with them. So Mm -hmm. it's good for you to be here in this place and to just bring your whole heart and your whole mind and to bring what you have to offer and also bring an open heart ready to receive. And that's what I've modeled for you. That's what's good. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do about it? So Mm -hmm. I, those would be the first two things as I reflect personally that I'm super grateful for the spirits reforming work that, Mm -hmm. that I hope is not done, you know, but that's ongoing stuff that continue to need to be reformed in those ways. Maybe just to close, as we wrap up, you mentioned goodness and you talked about the church a little when you look around at the world plenty of bad mm-hmm. i think we can all agree on that where where are the places where that you look and whether it's goodness or justice or truth or all those things like where where do you see that and what is that to you mm-hmm. 
I have had the fortunate experience of having lots of positive involvement with the church and, mm -hmm. and a lot of Christians individually and the church collectively presented to me as a, a really compelling, I'll say angled mirror, like I was talking about. And oh boy, that, that's come in places where I've been had, you know, bad things happen to me. Now I, I've probably lived a charmed life compared to a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot I probably even know how much I can't relate to those who have just had a really rough go at it to say it lightly, but the kinds where I have had injuries or experienced loss to watch the church respond and to watch God through those things bring life and order and beauty out of something that everyone around would say, that's bad. That's mm -hmm. awful. I mean, I, I've experienced that time and time again. That's the kind of thing that I think Mountain does, the church that we're a part of. Every time there's a, a funeral or a loss, I mean, you can think of some yeah. very recent ones that are very vivid mm -hmm. where the church is not saying that, oh, that's good. That's no big deal because we're all going to some pie in the sky place anyway, mm. so we don't care about suffering. No, we care deeply about suffering and we grieve. Mm. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Even Jesus grieved, but he didn't grieve as someone who, who didn't believe that the story continued even beyond the things that cause us grief. Mm. And I think that I've seen that character play out in the church in, in lots of ways. So we're at, we're at our best when there's a disaster in the world and it, it just calls the church to be the church, to stop yapping about it and philosophizing about it and load up in the vans and go down and yeah. start putting the world back together again. And mm -hmm. those kinds of things don't make the news as much as the times when we've just botched it and not lived out our calling. But the, the church is the church when it does that. I've seen the church be engaged in causes for justice and, and reconciliation. I mean, mm -hmm. and, in a lot of ways, it's the church that taught me to care about that because yeah. the church has been faithfully and rightly tuned in to the Christian story and, and acted accordingly, been directed in those ways towards what is truly good. And we got it, we've been honest about the ways that we've been distorted in that. And then it's like, oh, wow, we've really missed the mark here. And mm -hmm. we've missed the mark. A lot of people have noticed it's the way that the church has treated women or thought about women, the, the church's place in racial prejudice and all the mm -hmm. systemic things that we've been complicit in and colonialism and all of that, those are part of our story. And those are distortions of when the Christian story has gotten off track. And when the, when the church is at its best, it calls that for what it is, not good. Mm -hmm. And it repents and it, it calls on all of us to do that. And where we have been out of joint and out of line, we get realigned. And mm -hmm. I've seen that modeled too, both on large levels and just, I mean, starting on the individual level of, of parents who, when they messed up, they apologized. It yeah, was like super sure. refreshing. You don't yeah. always see that, but like that allowed some new possibilities for good come to life when you see the refreshment of humility and repentance and then forgiveness can happen and somehow good can overcome evil mm -hmm. as it's as God does through the power of God's spirit. So when a person yields themselves and is, is just soft and humble and, and submissive to the spirit, those are the kinds of good possibilities that I've seen come to life. Mm -hmm. And I just keep cultivating that day after day mm -hmm. and try to be part of a community that does that. And then in the midst of this old broken down world that is still riddled with wars and murders and racism and everything else that we would name, 
that somehow this is a sign of God's presence at work and mm -hmm. God's new creative power happening in the midst. And it's a taste of things to come and you, you taste it and you experience it as good. And it's, it becomes a refuge and a mm -hmm. shelter and a, a compelling draw for people who don't want to live and try to navigate the world and find good on their own apart from it. Mm. And I'm one of those people who's, who's made that choice. And it, you know, it all comes, Jesus is the measure of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe just, a. I was thinking of a list of things that Jesus like holds within himself mm -hmm. that I think are pretty striking when you think about the, the highfalutin ways the Bible talks about you like high majesty, but yeah. also humility at, in the in the purest sense, yeah. majesty and humility existing. Gentle together. and lowly of heart. Yes. Yeah. The super strong commitment to justice. Uh -huh. And who's more merciful than mm -hmm. Jesus? Who's more gracious than Jesus? He was, you know, self-sufficient in mm -hmm. many ways, but at the same time, entirely reliant on his father. He was tender, but not weak. Mm -hmm. You know, he showed incredible strength in weakness. He was bold, but not harsh. He was uh, humble and yet confident at the same time, like steel, steeled himself in his focus for his, his purpose and not willing to back down, you know, truth and love, passion without prejudice. He was very commanding of the most formidable audiences. Like he is going toe to toe with the, the establishment of the day mm -hmm. and he's strong enough to occupy that space. And at the same time, he's approachable by young kids. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, just to name a few things, that's probably not an exhaustive list, but it's, that's a human. That's a good yeah. human. And it's not a simple human. Like, it, it, Jesus honors the complexities of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And the, these things that kind of maybe live at two extremes, like we, we try to, you know, polarize these things, are, are somehow held together in the, the person of Jesus. And those things can become realized in the church that is now the body of Christ on earth when we allow the spirit to remake us into the image of Jesus. Yeah, I love that. Just that's a, that is a hope to cling to, I think, regardless of where you're walking or what story you're living out of. I think the, the things you just named about the life of Jesus, it, it's not a bad thing to want to maybe yoke ourselves and sign our lives up for. Yeah. And um, I would say just practically for any person who's trying mm -hmm. to figure out what's good, how do I know if I'm good? Look at people where you see that being represented. Mm -hmm. You're seeing Jesus embodied in them when you, when you see those things. And so yeah. it is kind of the, the simple thing of like, find people who look good. Get around those people. Seem yeah. like they're good. Seem like they're taking their cues from Jesus himself, mm -hmm. the author of goodness, and then follow them. Mm -hmm. you know, follow them as they follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that is ultimately the answer towards how do I find what is good. And so mm -hmm. I, that would be my hope for anyone listening that they would have those people around them. And if they don't, that they would go in search of it. Like don't quell that search for what's good. Don't let all the badness in the world get you down and stop mm -hmm. you from pursuing that and make you all cynical and just throw the whole thing out. No, seek it, seek after it with all your heart. And the promise of Jesus is that you will find it. Mm -hmm. You will find him. You will find what is truly good. So that would be my encouragement to anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks again, Luke. Appreciate you being willing to walk us through this. Really good conversation. So, It was good, you think? It was good. Oh, wow. Well, then we accomplished, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> we accomplished it. Mission accomplished. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, Gil. Thank you. We are so grateful to Luke for his willingness to walk through this conversation with us. I love the way Luke described our purpose as human beings, as people 
who long for God to restore the world back to wholeness and that we can be people who work for healing while living in a good hope for the future. We appreciate you guys joining in today. If you found this conversation helpful, please share it with a friend. This podcast is a resource of Mountain Christian Church in Maryland, and our door is always open as you continue exploring your faith. So feel free to reach out and connect anytime. The best way for you to do that is through the email in the show notes. Again, we thank you guys for joining in. And until next time, take care and know that wherever you are, we are walking alongside you.